From Mendocino County Public Broadcasting, this is Sarah Wright with the extended Friday Night Newscast. Amanda Carley's attorney has 10 days to firm up the causes of action against most of the defendants in her five-year-old case against Mendocino County, the probation department, its former head, and former Ukiah Police Chief Noble Weidelich. A 15-count complaint from 2017 accuses Weidelich of abusing Carley, a former probation officer, and the other parties of conspiring to create an untenable workplace for her after reports of the abuse came to light. A Mendocino County Sheriff's Office report said that Carly initially downplayed the abuse, but then provided evidence that it had in fact occurred. District Attorney David Eister did not prosecute Widelick, but allegedly placed Carly on the Brady List, a secretive collection of names of untruthful law enforcement officers. The list is not publicly available. Eister was originally included in Carly's complaint, but the court dropped him as a defendant in 2018, saying he was protected by the anti-slap statute, a free speech law that shielded him from being personally sued for speaking about activities in connection with a public issue. At a tentative ruling this morning, Deputy County Counsel Brina Blanton argued that Carly was trying to relitigate the court's decision to remove Eister, saying the complaint did not meet the heightened standard of pleading against an official. The county had filed a motion asking Superior Court Judge Janine Nadell to hold separate trials for the county and Widelick, who was never a county employee. Rather than separate the single case into two, Carly's attorney Richard Freeman was asking leave to amend the complaint and proceed against all the remaining defendants. At the beginning of this morning's tentative ruling, Nadell appeared to agree with Blanton, remarking that the county can't conspire with itself without Eister. But the proceedings skipped quickly past the conspiracy complaints into the need to establish a factual basis for the complaints against the county and Albert Ganter, Carly's boss, when she worked at the probation department. Freeman declared that he believes strongly that Ganter is a suitable defendant. The complaint argues that without her firearm, Carly was deprived of the ability to carry out her duties safely or to fulfill the requirements of her office. The statute of limitations on the case is nearly expired, but last month, Nadell agreed to set a trial date for September 26th. Freeman proved at a hearing in June that for years, the case had appeared by some error to be closed, when in fact it had been open all along. This morning, Nadell allowed Freeman to amend the case against all the remaining defendants, though she said plainly she was not confident that he could lay out a statutory basis for all the claims. While she said she was not inclined to throw the case out after setting a trial, she advised Freeman to think long and hard. Is the county a necessary party to the case? There's still time for the county to return with a motion before the trial date. In women's health news, much of the attention to the fall of Roe last month has been focused on states where abortion is now illegal. Abortion remains legal in California, but access is limited due to geography, bad roads, and the proliferation of religiously affiliated hospitals that do not offer a full range of abortion services. And out-of-state patients are flocking to so-called access states like California. Gilda Gonzalez, the CEO of Planned Parenthood Northern California, said the uptick in demand from patients from Texas began last September with the passage of Texas SB 8, the fetal heartbeat law which exposed abortion providers or anyone aiding and abetting an abortion to civil lawsuits and penalties up to $10,000. We'll hear directly from Gonzalez and other women's health experts next week as we look deeper into abortion access in our rural communities. I'm Sarah Reith with the extended Friday Night Newscast. Now we'll hear from reporter Stacy Sheldon about how local organizations are filling a gap in services to children and families as small governments struggle with funding. 
From Mendocino County Public Broadcasting, this is the KZYX News for Friday, July 22nd. I'm Stacy Sheldon. Teach your children well, because their father's help did slowly go by. I think a question that I saw on a sign once, several years ago, it said, how are our children? And it was from a Mendocino County sign, how are our children? And that's what I started really wondering, how are our children, especially after COVID? And I think the statistics show that even though there's brilliant workers in all our county services, people working as hard as they can, there's probably not enough support for children and families. And I'm deeply concerned about it. That's Laurel Neer, co-founder of Ukiah Space, the School of Performing Arts and Cultural Education. SPACE is a community-based organization supporting healthy children and families by offering free performing arts classes to youth and adults. Community-based organizations that offer family resources, like SPACE or Redwood Community Services or FFA, for example, play an important role in the prosperity of our children and community. They provide services like health care, education, and social activities that promote well-being. While more than 30% of the jobs in Mendocino County's child welfare services remain vacant, community-based organizations become vital local resource hubs that offer services aimed to improve the health of our county's kids and their families. Sharon Hildebrand is the executive director of another community-based organization, CASA, Court-Appointed Special Advocates of Mendocino and Lake Counties. She also serves as the county champion for the organization called Finding Kids and chairs the Prevention Subcommittee of Mendocino County's Child Abuse Prevention Council. Hildebrand tackles the question, how are our children? So if we would have had this conversation three years ago, my comments might have been different. But now that we've added a pandemic, it has really compromised our youth both educationally and mentally and socially. Mendocino County is one of the top counties with substantiated child abuse two to three times out of the state of California. Those are the ones we know about. We have a significant problem with substance abuse. We have a significant problem with parenting. We have a lot of other challenges. To compound the problem is the county's understaffed child welfare department. For example, of the 51 social worker positions, those who work directly with our families to try and get them back together as a family, 16 of those positions remain vacant. Additionally, all five vocational assistant positions, those who commonly help with all kinds of transport for clients, are vacant. Low wages and lack of affordable housing make it challenging to recruit new employees to fill these positions. All counties, not just Mendocino County, all counties right now are experiencing um, lack of employees. We sent them all home two years ago in both the public and the private sector, and we can't get them back. When you have a child welfare department that maybe has 150 positions, and you have 50 of those that are not filled, those are positions that were providing services to children and family at the most at risk. So those children don't get those services, nor do those families get those services to help put them back together again. So where can children and families find helpful resources in our county? What we do have that we do better than any other county is what's called family resource centers. 
The goal of a family resource center is to bring services and supports that are usually non-public. These are usually um, nonprofit organizations, or they're often connected to like a healthy start. And to bring that information and those needs to where the families are. You know, we have Mendocino County Youth Project, and I'm going to forget something. We have space. We have the schools, Tapestry Family Services, Mendocino County Office of Education. We have some different programs. We have First Five. One of the biggest challenges these family resource centers face is the support of county and city governments identifying children and families as a priority. One of the things that community-based organizations who work with children, and there are a lot of them, that we've been asking for a long time is sustainable support of our family resource centers and to broaden the opportunities that are offered through these family resource centers. That has not happened. We had actually asked the Board of Supervisors back in 2018 if they could commit 20% by 2020 of the marijuana taxes that are coming into the county, and that went nowhere. One of our challenges is is we don't really have a legislative platform in support of families and children. So if you were to ask our Board of Supervisors, have you submitted a legislative platform that includes supporting family and children as a priority in your county? When you don't have public support of families and children, you're going to have problems. What are some solutions to these problems? We need to create a hybrid, we need to regionalize more, and we need to figure out how the public and private sector can support each other more so to provide those services that are missing in both sectors. One example of a successful hybrid is the collaboration between Ukiah Unified School District and SPACE. These two organizations teamed up to provide free performing arts classes to Mendocino kids. Ukiah Unified School District Superintendent Deb Kubin and the school board used COVID relief money to fund children's activities at Space, Ukiah City Parks and Recreation, and the Boys and Girls Club. Laurel Neer, Executive Director of Space, and Ignacio Ayala, its Deputy Director and Latino Program Director, elaborate on Space's unique collaboration with Ukiah Unified School District. Neer will speak in English and Ayala in Spanish. I think it was the fall of 2020. Ukiah Unified was funding extracurricular activities for youth. I just gave them a call and they said yes, and that they would fund Ukiah Unified registered students in our outdoor program. Then followed suit the other charter school, Redwood Academy, Accelerated Achievement, and River Oak. And we have a fully funded scholarship program. So any child who wanted to come to space, dance, and, and sing and act could come which was just incredible. Space siempre ha tenido una conexión con el distrito escolar de Ukiah, Ukiah Unified School District, donde antes Space iba a las escuelas a enseñarles clases de baile, de actuación, de canto, y cuando empezó la pandemia, Space no pudo ir a las escuelas, solo los niños de las escuelas pudieron tomar clases gratis aquí en Space. Después de empezar ese contrato con el distrito escolar, empezamos a tener clases también con estudiantes de Ukiah Redwood Academy y Accelerated Achievement of Ukiah River Oak Charter School. Más estudiantes empezaron a tomar clases gratis aquí en Space y el programa de becas estaba más disponible que nunca porque muchos estudiantes estaban aquí gratis. Así que, como dijo Loro, 
Cada estudiante que quiere tomar una clase de space puede tomar una clase de space donde no importa fondos, no importa si tienen dinero o no, porque esa es la meta de nosotros. Over the summer, Space hosted over 270 children at weekly summer camps. Each camp session concluded with a performance for parents and community, along with handouts on hand-in-hand parenting practices that encourage play and special time between kids and their caregivers. These camps were free to kids, funded through UUSD's COVID relief money and scholarships raised through generous donations to Space. One happy camper had this to report about her experience after a space camp performance. What would you say to people listening who might be interested in taking dance classes here? Would you recommend it and why? Um, you should definitely come because it's like one of the funnest places ever to go to space. It's just so fun. ¿Por qué es space importante para todos la gente? Um, es muy bueno en todos agusta esa programa. Parents are pleased too. A Spanish-speaking parent notes her appreciation for space classes. Me gusta mucho porque ellas aprenden a, a, a bailar y eso es un de, como tipo deporte que ellas hacen y estoy feliz de traerlas y verlas bailar. Me encanta. Another parent notes. I can speak to the fact that they're working with the school district and offering free classes late, recently for the children. That's helped with my daughter to be able to attend, which um, when she dances, she is in her happy place, and that's a beautiful thing to see. So that contribution has been a blessing for us and for her mental health. Sharon Hildebrand comments on the partnership between Space and UUSD. What a great relationship. So I would hope that it would serve as a template in other of our more um, populated areas like Fort Bragg and Willits. You don't have to have exactly the space offerings to partner with a private organization that may be able to serve our children in downtimes. So I would absolutely duplicate that program, maybe in Fort Bragg with the recreation center where the pool is. There's your partner. In Willits, an idea could be at the Grange and support a partnership with 4-H to bring in more community leaders to teach after-school cooking, after-school sewing. The challenges of prioritizing and funding children's health care services are nationwide. Despite these challenges, Laurel Near is hopeful. I think we can do this in this county. I think we can look at the status of our children And with all those, that intelligence out there, figure out how we support children and families. For all our local stories with photos and more, visit kcyx.org. You can also subscribe to the KCYX News Podcast, whatever you get your podcast. Mm-hmm.